Hello and welcome. It's the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking, from indie film to studio films and everything in between. Well, not everything, because that would be weird. We'd be talking about Brussels sprouts. We don't. We talk about filmmaking, how to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up, in our very, very humble opinion. Today, we're talking about how to get your debut feature film at the top of Amazon's selling charts with Jed Bryan, the director of the found footage horror movie Unlisted Owner. I am Giles Alderson, producer of the horror comedy A Serial Killer's Guide to Life, directed by Staten Cousins Rowe. And I'm the producer of Cassette, which stars Harry Jarvis, who's also in the dare. Uh, Larice Harrison, Nina Wadia, Erin Austin, Daniel Cahill, Jessica Webber and Tanya Burr. Just to name a few of our lead cast. I'm the director of The Dare and I'm the director along with Kevin Lee of The World of Darkness documentary, which is available now. You can go watch that if you like. Remember, subscribe to us on iTunes. Be nice. Go write a nice review for us. Give us a five star review. Why not? on Apple Podcasts, or you can listen to us on all other listening devices, wherever you get them from, SoundCloud, Podbean, Tune Radio, Stitcher, Britpod Scene, of course, Player FM, or you can find us at the Podfix Network, where there is some other fantastic podcasts, uh, the Fan Counters, uh, the Fan Film Boys, uh, for the Gravity Beard Podcast, it's brilliant, In Session Film, and of course, one of my favourites is More Gooder Than Podcast. Head there, podfixnetwork.com and check that out i'm super excited about today's podcast i know you're gonna love it talking about making horror films is always fun especially seeing as that's what i've just done on cassette right now i found footage horror so i thought this is the perfect time to drop this episode i did with jed bryan about unlisted owner his found footage horror movie but first before we get to that let me tell you about rain dance and how you can go to the next rain dance boozing and smoothing session for free that's right it's for free um you want to meet other indie filmmakers and film lovers in london you do right because that is so important as a filmmaker an indie filmmaker to go meet other indie filmmakers meet producers meet screenwriters you might find your next project this is the place to go rain dance you might want to find a team to work with on your next project you might want to volunteer your services to work on their film sets or you can just chat about movies with someone who can tell the difference between fight club and dallas buyers club because that's what they can do basically rain dance boosting and smoothing is a monthly filmmakers networking event for people who love to make films uh, it's very friendly, it's very welcoming, and it's a really cool networking event in London. Um, it's helped develop hundreds of collaborations, including some with myself and filmmakers I've met there or screenwriters I've met there. And you, as a Filmmakers Podcast listener, can get in for free. Just email party at raindance.co.uk, quoting Filmmakers Podcast. And you'll get in for free. The next event, Monday the 10th of September at 6.30 at the beautiful Century Club in Soho. Don't miss it. The link is in the show notes. Right. Let's get to this week's really cool, really interesting podcast with debut filmmaker Jed Bryan. Whatever you're doing, if you're going for a run, if you're on the tube, turn it up loud if you're on the tube, wherever you are, I hope you learn something from this. I hope you get something from this. And if you do, please pass it on. Tell your mates. That's all I ask. And retweet us. 
Always feels nice to get a nice retweet. Why not just a quote retweet as well? And I hope you have a great day, whatever you're doing. All right, here is a podcast with Jed Bryan. Enjoy. So I am delighted to be joined by Jed Bryan. He's the director of Unlisted Owner. Hello, Jed. How are you doing? Doing great. How about yourself? Do you know what? It's a decent day today. It's sunny. I've just got back from Sweden and I am good. I'm nice and relaxed. How about yourself? Well, I've just been kind of stressful a little bit. Just had a, a baby come. So he's three weeks old. Uh, let's wow. see. Uh, he'll be three weeks old Mon- or Sunday. So it's just been kind of getting uh, the adjustment of having a, a little one around and still try to figure out how to balance everything else. But it's been great, though, for sure. Oh, my gosh. Three weeks. That's just yeah. life changing, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, what's he called? His name is Jace Caden Bryan. Wow. Very American. Yeah. I like yep, that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, same initials as me. So so that helps for post. Good. Yeah, yep. I got the same initials as my dad as well. So when post came through, it was like, oh, it's a letter for me. No, it's not. It's for your dad. <laughs> <laughs> so he'll get used to that, I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh. Whereabouts are you now in the world? I am in Sumner, Illinois, which is a small town about 20 minutes from the Indiana border. Uh, there's It's middle of nowhere. Uh, the closest mall to where I live is about an hour and a half drive. Closest movie theater is about a 30-minute drive. Uh-huh. So there's, yeah, our, our town doesn't even have a stoplight in it. So, <laughs> Jeez. So I imagine there, growing up there and living there, that it's hard to come across other filmmakers or people who want to make film. Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, I think the closest filmmakers are. I think there's some in Sullivan, Indiana, which is about about eh, about an hour away, and then there's some in around Evansville, which is about an hour and a half. But uh, yeah, as far as like in the area I live, no, it's pretty much me. <laughs> so that must be interesting then. So how come you wanted to become a filmmaker? Well. Uh, when I was in high school, I just kept coming up with different like movie ideas and script ideas. And I thought, you know, this would be like a horrible waste if I didn't try to do something with these ideas that just kept popping in my head. So uh, me and my friends had talked about it and uh, we uh, made a teaser trailer for a script I had written called Meth House. I didn't have the funding to make. I just put it on YouTube just to get it out there. And then we did a GoDaddy commercial contest video and got like ninth out of 539 videos back in, I think it was 2010 or nine or something like that. And then uh, finally decided, well, I just need to try to budget myself and make my own movie because, you know, it's not going to happen any other way, especially here in Sumner. So uh, I just put pen to paper and uh, made Unlisted Owner. Amazing. I mean, that's some some journey, right? So for someone who you know, kind of in the middle of nowhere, if you like, and is just not surrounded by any other filmmakers. I think that's fascinating of how you then thought, yeah, do you know what? I want to make a film and I'm going to do this on my own. Was there any, was there anything from when you were younger that you thought, this is why I want to do this? Well, uh, ever since I was a kid, I've always been like a big horror fan. I, my mom had got me a VHS tape of House on Haunted Hill, and I also had the monster movie King Kong versus Godzilla. And my parents always took us to haunted houses, and I've always loved like horror films and stuff. And it wasn't until I guess whenever I was in high school, I saw Eli Roth's Hostel, and mm-hmm. it like I I could not believe what I was seeing. I mean, usually you know most horror films there's a monster or a creature or something, but this is something that was like reality horror like something that could really happen uh if you i mean if you travel outside your comfort zone and you befriend somebody you thinks your friend 
and you could get wind up in this, you know, <laughs> hostile and this bad situation. And it just really spoke to me of like, wow, you know, you could actually take something that like really scares you and put it into a script form and people can relate to it. So that's kind of where I got my inspiration is from Eli Roth. Wow. It's a good inspiration to have. He is yeah. pretty impressive of what his yes. journey as well. But what yeah. what he does in the horror world is still pretty amazing. Um, yeah. We actually do a little nod to him, an unlisted owner, the family of five that's in the opening credits of the film. They're the Roth family. So. Ah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a couple of those in the dare as well where we've just done a yeah. couple of nods. It'd be interesting to see if anyone picks up on it at all. Probably not. Yeah. But yeah. it's one of these that... Oh, we did it inside jokes maybe not jokes but inside little quirks and little throws to these people who have inspired us and stuff um, oh yeah it's nice to do it isn't it it's nice oh yeah i, I love doing it yeah actually we have a, another little easter egg in the film of uh, that teaser trailer i said for that script i'd written called meth house mm-hmm. we actually put a, a dvd case in the house that says meth house on it that you can see it for like a brief little second if you're paying attention yeah. so <laughs> yeah that's fun all that stuff is fun isn't it and it's yeah. just i think if if fans like your movie or like you and follow you it one day they might turn around and go, did you see that or you know it's part of the trivia and part of the film and it, yeah. it all adds up and also it helps sell the film as well these little bits and pieces Oh, yeah, for sure. The attention to detail, sometimes it really makes your film look more believable. Yes, yes, it does. So had you, obviously, because it's hard to see on IMDb when you made this film. Um, and had you made anything before it with Unlisted Owner? The only other two things I had shot was the uh, teaser trailer, and then I did the GoDaddy commercial contest. And mm-hmm. then 2011 is whenever I decided to start Unlisted Owner. So we wrote the script. I got everybody casted, location set, started filming in late 2011, uh, wrapped it up in uh, 2012. We had to do a few re- reshoots and stuff. And then in 13, um, we uh, did like a little bitty focus group showing in Vincent's, Indiana. And we had 110 people two nights come to it and we passed out surveys. And one of the things on the survey was people were wanting to know more about the family of five. So we went back. And I re and I added the uh, original family of five scene to the film. So you're looking at about oh fourteen, and uh, then we tried this film festival route. We didn't have much success with that. And then I found out about the American film market, and went in fifteen, and then sixteen. Finally heard back from everybody. I've uh, got an entertainment lawyer. End up signing with uh, Summerhill Films, Tomcat Films out of Phoenix. And then they gave me a list of deliverables, which one of the things was an M&E track, which, you know, most found footage films, you know, the sound you get on the the camera Mm. is what you have in the film. You don't have someone usually falling around with a boom mic or anything like that. So all the sound effects and the dialogue were on the same track. Well, our distributor, one of the requirements was to have it separated. So... From February of 17 to July of 17, I had to recreate every sound effect for the entire film, which was a chore to do. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, Especially especially being in the middle of nowhere, not having a a sound studio or anything like that. But we got it done. And then in 17 is whenever it finally came out on DVD. So that's that's why I I really want people to know that this is a new film that, you know, people haven't really – it hasn't been out since – 13, which IMDb says that's just when we started trying to submit to the film festivals is 13, 14. And, you know, but it finally actually getting a release was 17. So I see you can go back. I think you can go into IMDb. Well, you can go into IMDb and ask them to change it. 
so that it actually oh. came out in 2017. Yeah, just send a, send, go into the info section, click down there and go, uh, yeah, it's your film. You can write up why this should be changed to 2017, you say, and you oh. explain exactly that. Well, I may have to do that then. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the tip. No, No problem. It can help because it does make a difference when people say, oh, I want to see this film. Oh, hang on. It's been out, you know, five, six yeah. years. So it does make a difference. Absolutely. Okay, so let's jump back a little bit. Because this is a really interesting story of how, you know, you, you went into the top nine of Amazon horror. Yeah. It's a really cool story of how this happened. So let's start at the very beginning. So now you're at that place where you go, I want to be a filmmaker. I know no one around me. How does someone like that go about it? How did you even think from the beginning, OK, I want to make a feature film. How do I get cameras? How do I do it? And why found footage? If you could tell us from the beginning your story, it'd be great. Yeah, yeah, actually, uh, Unlisted Owner is the first found footage horror script that I'd actually written. All my other stuff was traditionally shot, but with limited resources and limited funding, I had to kind of think outside the box and uh, decide to go the found footage route. Uh, my assistant director, Brent, he he's like my tech guy. He's the one that researches cameras on what we can and can't do and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So he was, he was a big help. And then uh, as far as like when I wrote the script, I have I have some really close friends who are really reliable people, and I pretty much cast them as my main cast: uh, Tyler, Gavin, uh, and Andrea. Those I knew those people, and then myself. That's one less person I have to worry about while shooting. Um, <laughs> so so I kind of made that my core. So I knew that you know whenever I would be start filming, that I wouldn't have someone say, "Oh, you know, well I can't do this," and then you have to go back and reshoot everything. So that's kind of like the reason I chose found put footage and then kind of went down the path of that. But yeah, I've, I've, like I said, it, it's one of those things where you got the bug of, you know, I want to try to make something that, you know, you have this idea in your head. So that's that's the reason I decided to try to make Unlisted Owner. Right. That's it's a, it's a great reason to do it. Um, and, you know, it's it's a really interesting setup. Could you tell our listeners exactly what it's about? And then I can play the trailer. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Unlisted Owner is a feature-length found footage horror film that uh, basically follows a group of friends who hear about a family of five that was murdered in this house about a mile away from where they're camping at. And uh, they show up to the house, and there's police cars and ambulances there, and they're pulling a body out. And uh, Griffin says, who's one of the uh, group of friends, says, I don't want to go camping this close to where someone's been murdered. Well, we end up going anyways, and through a series of bad decisions, we go back to the house to investigate for ourselves. And the whole film has been edited by the Lawford County Sheriff's Department as crime scene evidence of the uh, murders. I know you guys are still mad at us for this move, but look at this big house. Give me a couple years, I'll fix it up, and you will love it. It'll be perfect! <laughs> I don't know what to do. I think someone's mad. I don't know where everybody is. this place holy shit dude you got that thing on right yeah dude it's rolling Small town. a little over a mile from here so you, you know talk what? about your ghost stories and something this is a real life ghost story dude, man i'm no, in man. 
Seriously. Dude, I, I mean, came out here. I'm not going back to that house. Hey, that, dude. I didn't open this. Gavin Where's is Gavin? in there. Has you know where he is. Come on. I don't know where he's at. This is not me. This is Gavin being Gavin right now. Dude, You're in on, on it. You have to be. I'm not in on it. What? What is it? I'm not going in Oh my there. god. It's a dead body. It's a dead body. What? I'm serious. It's a dead body. No. -uh. I don't think we should go up here then. Whoa, 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 whoa. I can't believe they really left us down here. I know. Let's just leave. This is complete bullshit. I mean, it seemed like a good idea at first, but really, I'm just ready to go. Yeah. Oh my, oh my god. It's our first it's house. Huge. I mean, it's huge. It is huge. It's huge. Oh, go over by the sign. Oh, yes. Oh. It's ours. It is. Oh my god. Okay, come on. Come on. This you gotta go in. Amazing. <laughs> Love it. Okay, so that was the trailer. So you get a sense. Uh, our lovely listeners of what the film is about. Now, making a found footage horror, if you like, and making a film like this isn't easy. How did you go about it in terms of, obviously, the actors are holding the cameras, they're the ones who are trying to make it look realistic as possible. Uh, how did you set it up from the very beginning? Yeah, uh, whenever you're, like like you said, when you're writing a found footage script, it, it very it limits you like a lot, mm. especially if you want to try to do the effects driven scenes. Um, there's a uh, one thing that we ended up doing, uh, as you, when you watch the film, you notice that there's a lot of long scenes and I've had people ask me in the past, like, how did you go that long without anyone messing up and all this stuff? Well, we end up doing what I call them as blend edits or jerk edits. And basically what we would do is we would do a scene. I would dip the camera down and we'd go a little bit into the next scene and I'd cut then I'd go back and I'd do that same drop and then we'd go back into the, the next scene. And then whenever I'd slice them together, put them together in the editor, it looks like one fluid scene. Clever. So that's how I kind of got around that because that's one thing. It's like a big pet peeve of mine with found footage films, which I do it. I do it a couple times in Unlisted Owner, but I try to stay away from as much as I could. But that's the hard edits where it's filming, stop, jumps forward, stops, jumps forward. And I didn't want that in the movie. I wanted to try to make it look like it was long drawn out and people think, wow, is this, you know, this really happened? Is this like, you know, how these guys really interact and stuff like that? Um, but we, we also did that on effects driven scenes. Uh, we actually built a set for the film, which a lot of people don't know. But oh. the, uh, there's an attic space scene in mm -hmm. the film and there's also a blood in the ceiling scene. Um, house didn't have an attic space and there's no way we could do the blood in the ceiling without building a set. So we ended up having to build a set of that, of the room and uh, do that and then blend it together. That's cool. That's really, yeah, that's thinking outside the box though. And that's indie filmmaking. Yeah. That's what you've got to do. Yeah. I mean, how, how many days shooting did you do on it? Well, um, we shot every weekend for about three, I think it was like three months. And then, um, 
I realized we had a major mistake. Uh, there's a scene where we uh, go to the cemetery and Gavin pulls the keys out of the vehicle and exits the vehicle. Well, I did a blend edit from when I'm inside the vehicle to when I'm exiting out of the vehicle. So I dropped the camera down. We did the edit. It makes it look like one fluid motion. And then we put it in the editor. Me and Brent were sitting there, and I'm like, something's not right here. Mm-hmm. I hear something. There's something wrong. And then I remembered that my actors got cold. So I had them start up the vehicle and leave the lights off. Well, not thinking that the sound's going to be different because Gavin's pulled the keys out. So it goes from I'm in the vehicle vehicle not running to all of a sudden open the door and the vehicle is magically running without even starting up. (laughs) So, so I had to go back and I had to wait a few months to get Gavin and Tyler together and reshoot me leaving the vehicle going to the cemetery. So that was kind of a, that was another delay we had, but (laughs) yeah, but these things happen, don't they? It's going to happen. Um, yeah, of course it is. That's, I mean, to be honest, that sounds not even a uh, that's just one of those things that's not even a big yeah. mistake i thought you were going to say you know a character's already died and then you were no. shooting something and you you know moved on or you know the costume was totally different or whatever but you say like you say you can do a pickup especially yeah. if it is your mates and it's people yeah. you know or actors you're friends with you can go okay well let's go shoot that when, yeah. when you're free yeah and that's another thing too is i learned is if you're going to shoot something make sure that you buy the wardrobe that your actors use yeah because mm-hmm. Because I, uh, when we had to do that reshoot, uh, Heidi, she had lost her blue shirt. She let a girl borrow it, couldn't find it. And I had continuity pictures. So it's very, very hard, especially whenever, you know, she's bought this shirt a few years before you actually shot the film to go to all these different department stores and say, look, uh, can I, I need to find a shirt like this. (laughs) So that, that was, that was kind of a pain, um. And also another thing that we did as far as filming goes, because like you said earlier, the uh, the actors actually had control of the cameras at certain times. Uh, I've had a digital transmitter that just transmitted video, not sound. And it would go uh, depending on where we were shooting inside the house. We would move the TV and all our setup from room to room, depending on where we were at. And uh, if I was filming, Brent would be in there and I'd always go to Brent and say, hey, uh, what'd you think of that? And he would say, well, you know, everything looked great. Uh, Next time, you know, focus on this a little more. That that looked really cool. Or, you know, hey, you kind of moved the camera too fast. It went out of focus, you know, that type of stuff. Or if I wasn't filming, I would be watching the TV. And we were usually close enough to where I could still hear the, the dialogue is where we tried to make it. So, right. Okay, because that, that's something that's, you know, it's obviously massively important what you touched on there is continuity. And yeah, yeah, that's so true. As much as you might be using the your actors' costumes or their own clothes is say, listen, can I look after this for you? Because we're going to have some yeah. pickups and stuff. That's vital. And that's a really good point for any filmmaker out there wanting to go make a fan footage movie or make their own movie. Borrow those costumes. Just say, I'll give you it back in, you know, once the edit's locked. But do you mind yeah. if I keep it? And it's actually vital to do that because it's happened so many times where the actor goes, oh, I didn't realize you wanted me the same costume or I can't find it. I've lost it or, you know, it's shrunk in the wash or it died in the wash. It's so important. It's one of those things. Like you say, you got away with it. But imagine yeah. if it was something really important. You're like, we can't get away with that. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so easily done. And that's obviously something you learn on bigger shoots. Someone's looking after that. But when it's you... Yeah. And it's your friends, you know, shooting in a play. There's so much to think about for you as the director and you're in it. Yeah. And you've got to think about all these things. It's very hard. Yeah, very yes, hard indeed. I suppose in, in that sense, would you, would you recommend someone doing this? What advice would you give someone setting out on this journey? 
I would say if for sure, if you, if you don't have the funds to do it and you're going to do it yourself, make sure the first day of shooting, you take pictures of shoes, pants, what they look like in the costume, everything you can. I mean, the more pictures, the better. And try to go to those every day before you shoot, whenever you guys are kind of going back and forth on the script, going over the script and stuff to make sure that you look at those photos and make sure they match. Because if they don't, it's going to throw your whole movie off. Yep. Yeah, good advice. Very good advice. So, unlisted owner, actually going about making it then from day one when you're actually going, okay, I'm actually going to be directing a feature film here. And you said you'd already got sales on board at that point. You yes. got Summerhill Films. How come did they come on board based on the script and the concept? No. Uh, well, actually, uh, like I said earlier, uh, the re- and one of the reasons it took so long to get out there was because I had no clue how to get a distribution deal. Everything mm. I had read said you need to go to a film festival and you get your film in a film festival. Well, the film festivals weren't – for some reason, we weren't getting in to the different film festivals we had submitted to, which was really disheartening because I felt like you know I had something that I had made and I was proud of. But for some reason, I wasn't getting the exposure like I thought it deserved. And um, when I went out to Los Angeles, I had found out about the American film market. Well, it was the next week and I had, you know, there's no way I could prep for that. So I had to wait a whole year oh, to be man. able to go to the American film market. And I was still submitting to film festivals, but I wasn't getting anywhere. And uh, when I went to the American film market, we showed it uh, twice out there. And I don't know if you're familiar with the American film market, yep. but it, it is great. I mean, it was awesome. Uh, made so many connections, met so many awesome people out there. And, um, but yeah, we scheduled meetings with all these different distribution companies and, uh, narrow. And then, uh, after AFM, you have to wait a few months after you send your screeners and stuff. And then, uh, we, uh, heard back from three who were very, very interested in it and, uh, ended up having to go about getting an entertainment lawyer and, uh, ended up signing with, uh, Tomcat Summerhill Films, they were the best fit for us as far as the contract we were going to get. So you'd already got the finished, just so I'm clear and our listeners are clear, you would got the finished film, or as finished as you could do it. Then you yeah. took it to AFM and there it got picked up by Summerhill yes. Films. Right. So they'd seen the finished version. Yes. Right. So therefore you uh, went about making this on your own with no actual way of thinking, how am I going to distribute this? What's going to happen? You were just like, yep. let me just make something and see what happens. Yep, pretty much. I mean, I, mm. I, I was going to get it out there one way or another. That was my determination of, you know, I wasn't going to give up on this thing. I mean, especially when you don't get accepted in the film festivals and, you know, all, everything I had researched, you know, it was, you got to get in the film festivals, you got to get recognition, you got to win awards to get someone to pick it up. And, you know, none of that was happening. And I had no idea what other way to do it besides looking to maybe self-distributing, which I really wanted to try to stay away from. I really wanted to try to get someone who could get it on a more global scale. And uh, but then I heard about AFM and then everything just kind of fell into place. Mm. How did that feel then when obviously Summerhill comes in and goes, yeah, we want your movie and we want to distribute it? Oh, it, it was is a great feeling, you know, and especially well, I heard back when I heard back from three, when I went to AFM, there was one distribution company that was interested in it from day one. And they said, you know, they want me to sign there. And I'm like, well, I need to <laughs> let me let me wait a little bit before I jump into it. And that's one thing I would suggest to any filmmaker out there, just because you get if you especially if you go to AFM or something like that, just because you get the first bite, you don't don't jump for it right off the bat, you know, kind of wait and see what else comes in. And I would highly recommend hiring an entertainment lawyer, especially if you have no experience in it at all, because 
my lawyer, she was telling me all kinds of stuff that I had no idea to, you know, try to work with to try to get a better deal. Great. Really useful advice. Really useful advice. So let's jump back to how you actually made it then. So you're holding cameras, you're all doing this. Did you go through moments of where you're teaching each other how to do this, certainly with um, Brent? Yeah. And, And because you're doing lots of long takes, were you making sure that obviously rehearsals were done beforehand or were you just kind of oh yeah imp- oh you were so it's rehearsals beforehand okay yeah we uh actually uh it's kind of funny uh like i said not everybody you know is familiar with found footage films you know i mean there's uh, you could probably ask different people and people have probably never seen found footage style film so our luck i think it was paranormal activity three i think mm-hmm. it just came out in theaters so i took Everybody in the cast, the main cast anyways, of us, group of friends, and we went over to the uh, cinema in uh, Vincent's, Indiana, and watched it so they would have a better understanding of the style of film we were going to shoot. And and we also did a roundtable read right off the bat. As soon as I got my main cast locked down, we all sat in a room, and we did a roundtable read of everything. And then um, depending on the scenes, if they weren't like huge major scenes, like for instance, like if it was just uh, uh, like us setting up camp or something like that, we really didn't do rehearsal that much. But whenever we were doing the big day where they're pulling the body out of the house and we had the police cars and ambulances, I knew we were going to be on a tight, tight time schedule. I made sure we rehearsed the the night or I think it was the day before, I think. Yeah. Yeah, the day before. So which that was a whole messed up deal too because the uh we actually had to kind of change the script a little bit because we actually had a setting up tent scene where we were going to set up camp well andrea had to work that day so i'm like well i still want to get the night scene done so we went ahead and set up the tents well i wanted to take them all down and you know so we would have everything continuity wise for when we decided to do the reshoot well Gavin and Tyler and those guys, they all said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to camp out here tonight. We're going to party it up. I'm like, well, you know, just make sure you take down the tents and everything. And well, they ended up not being able to, they, uh, (laughs) they did, they didn't even stay there. They actually stayed at Tyler's house. And, uh, it was really windy that day, as you can see in the movie, the mm-hmm. big shoot where the they're pulling the body out and everything. So I ended up having to send one of the guys who was a firefighter in the film down there to take down all the tents so they wouldn't blow away. Oh and so whenever it came time to sh- get ready to shoot that scene, everything was all mixed up. I had no clue what went with what tent. So we ended up having to do kind of like a, a last minute like rewrite of that setting up can't scene, which I think turned out pretty <laughs> pretty good in the end but yeah yeah it's funny how those little sort of mistakes or whatever can turn out to be a good things you know little yeah. problems yeah. you have on set you turn it around to something else and you go oh well that's so much better than what we were going to do before or it gives it a different yeah. feel so yeah i can imagine on a shoot like this there was lots of things that kind of went wrong or you go you, you get to the end of a, a long take and someone had missed their cue or not you know did you have to go again a few times it, it just depended on the scene we were doing like i said i don't think there was any one takes i always try to do at least two or three mm-hmm. but uh there was there was a that well the whole police car and ambulance scene i know we it, everyone was kind of on edge a little bit because you know we have all these you know extras there we got the ambulance we got the cop car we got the fire guys there and it's just you know 
everyone was on edge a little bit. So we kind of had to shoot that a couple more times. Plus the wind was so bad that day. And that's one thing I, I wish I could have had a, a wind sock or something on, on a mic or something like that to kind of cut out some of that wind noise. But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. It totally is. But they say you've learned from it. Absolutely learned yes. from it. How did you get all the extras, the police and the ambulance? How did you get them there? Well, actually, I'm a volunteer firefighter. Ah, so, okay. So uh, so I had uh, I had connections there and I uh, was able to get the police and fire and everything else. And so it worked out. And my mom's good friends with the coroner. So I got a body bag. And <laughs> See, it's all about who you know. This is it. Yeah. And what you've done brilliantly here is you've found, you've gone, okay, this is what I've got around me. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to find footage of horror. I'm going to ask for these favors from these people because they're here. And then I can yep. shoot it. And that's the way you should do it when you're making a, you know, a very low budget movie. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you're allowed to say how much the budget is, but I imagine it was pretty low. Yeah, yeah. It was about, I think, uh, with with factoring in, you know, post-production stuff and going out to Los Angeles and everything. I think it was about 20K, I think, is what I got in it. Wow. Which so. means you shot it for so little because I, yeah. we know how much goes into post-production and flying backs yeah. and forwards and stuff. So, yeah, yeah well done. I mean, you've, you've, you've made well, a cr- you. cracking little film for, you know what you've done and this is how indie filmmakers should do it again can i go make a film can i do it yep. well yeah this has been proven and it yeah. got to the top 10 in amazon's horror charts so yeah it's pretty impressive so okay so this is this is what's interesting how did it go from you going okay i've signed a deal at afm this is amazing to you know getting to top of the charts what happened well um I ended up finding out from my distributor that we were going to be released on, I think it was like November 14th, whenever it was going to come out on DVD. So my thought was, he said he didn't have any other platforms. So I thought, well, I'm just going to, you know, all these people have been waiting in my area to see this thing. You know, uh, 220 people saw it. And then I think we showed showed it again in Evansville 99. So about 300 and some people had actually seen the film. Right, and all the time I'd get asked all this downtime of when's the movie coming out? When yeah, can I always. see it? Can when's I it coming it? Yeah. out? When's it coming yeah. out? Like, so whenever we ended up finding out when it was coming out, I put it on social media, and uh, the local fan, like the local fan base here was awesome. And uh, at, the night after I had posted it, uh, Brent actually called me and said, "Hey, uh, do you realize your film's number fourteen on Amazon's top one hundred hot new horror releases?" Wow, and I'm like, whatever. And he sent me the link and I'm like, oh man, I'm like, I need to get top 10. That's what I really want. Mm -hmm. So I really started trying to, you know, message people and talk to people and start doing social media campaign and stuff. And uh, we ended up getting up to the number nine spot. And the crazy thing was, is that, you know, pre-sales started in September and, you know, the film wasn't even out yet whenever we were on the charts is the crazy part. It was just pre-orders. This is amazing. Amazing. And and on top of that, it was like September, October. So we're like the peak time for horror films, October, and we're on the top 100 list. Oh. And we stayed on the list, I think, for 15 weeks. What? I think we may have fell off. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. And all that yeah. time you're pushing it and you're doing your promotion. What were you yeah. doing in that? Were you just asking people to go pre-order it or were you sending them clips were you sending you know pictures what were you doing i was well i messaged a lot of people on facebook and uh text and you know when i see people out in public and then i'd also i'd done uh newspaper interviews uh tv interviews right whoever would talk to me podcast 
whoever would talk to me, I would talk to them. You know, I would I would go through message different podcasts, uh, different newspapers. I mean, what, whatever, whoever would talk to me, I would talk to him about it. I mean, I didn't care if their podcast had, you know, the guy who d- did it and their mom listened to it. I was still going to talk to him. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that really kind of helped keep it on the list for that long. And, you know, and then the, the, the support of the horror community has been amazing. Uh, their sites like promote horror, uh, different podcasts, uh, beyond the void, long live the void. All these and you guys even, I mean, have really just kind of keep uh, help keep the fire stoked on this thing, and it's just been awesome. That's so nice, isn't it? When I think that's yeah. what's so good about the indie filmmaking community, and so many of my listeners are, and that's with a constant retweet and look at stuff, yeah. and they're interested by indie film, and and it's so important. It's this whole wave going, and it's it's a big thing at the moment. Indie film, it's it's really. Whether it's on the rise, I'm not sure, but it's certainly talked about a lot. So I well, feel we're good. If you think about all these different platforms now, you know, before it was, you know, you get your movie out, you mm. either go, you go to the box store or you go to a DVD rental place. Now you have all these different streaming platforms, all these. I mean, there's there's one uh, that we're on called POV Horror, and basically it's a a channel that you can subscribe to and it has found footage films on just nothing but found footage films. I mean, there's so many different platforms out there and, you know, I think it's really going to be, you know, the cost down of like, you know, these major motion pictures and stuff. I mean, all these, all of us indie guys are making them for a lot cheaper than these big box office places. And, you know, they're going to be looking at, you know, what's more cost effective, you know, do I get a film that's, you know, kind of cheap, I can put it on here, or do I try to go with this big one that may or may not, you know, work out if it's not like a big, you know, blockbuster film. Yeah. So, I mean, I can really see a possibility of the rise in the indie industry for sure. Yep, totally agree. Well, look at Blumhouse, perfect example. Yes. that you know, getting Paranormal Activity and how they've grown to become this huge indie. Super, yeah. Superpower, yes. Superpower, absolutely, yeah. So um, was it you that was pushing to get it on platforms like POV Horror, or was it your sales agents or distributors? Well, my distribution company is the one who got it on uh, Barnes & Noble, uh, FYE, all those places like that. I actually talked to Michael Steinberg, who's kind of behind uh, POV Horror, and uh, he was wanting actually the – that was another one who was wanting the rights to Unlisted Owner. And I said, well, we'd already signed a deal, so he mm. – uh, I, I got him in contact with our uh, distribution company. But uh, Oh, and another thing that we, I have done, which is kind of cool, is I've done actual – in-store DVD signings at Barnes & Noble, uh, which is a bookstore, which is kind of weird, but they also sell DVDs and CDs and stuff. And I've done two uh, in-store signings, which has been pretty crazy. Yeah, I imagine. Because what's interesting is what I've learned as well is if you say, right, the director and a star is going to turn up or a star or just a director mm-hmm. for a screening at a cinema or a book signing, like you say, but it's not, it's a DVD signing. Mm-hmm. People will turn up whether they know <clears> you or not. It's or right. heard of you because it's someone interesting and you know we might say something interesting and they feel good about going it's a really useful thing to do if anyone out there's got a film that they're thinking about you know putting it into a cinema or, or doing a like perfect example that dvd signing great absolutely brilliant you know that you know you're going to get quite a lot of people and they will buy the movie and they yeah. will watch it or they'll listen to you talk it just gets the word out it's very clever very clever thing yeah. to do. Did you think oh, about you. putting it in cinemas as well yourself and going there and doing Q&As? 
Well, we actually did one. Mm. Um, we sh- we showed it in Vincennes, which uh, it wasn't a cinema. I actually bought a screen and a projector and sound system and stuff. And we put it in this historical building called the Fortnightly Club that had a stage, and we just put the the screen up on the stage. Great and idea. I bought popcorn yeah. and gave it out to people and stuff. And, <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah. So it was, and like I said, I had the surveys. So after we put in the new family scene, I wanted to do kind of another focus group showing as you, if you would, or premiere or whatever. And, uh, I got a hold of the, uh, the movie theater Showplace cinema East in, uh, Evansville, Indiana, the owner, Mick Steeler, he was gracious enough to actually show our film. And, uh, we had 99 people come to Evansville, which is an hour and a half away from where I live in the area. I shot this at who bought, who paid, tickets to see the film in the in a theater which was awesome because you know i actually had you know i think i frankenstein was out at that time yeah. uh and they had like all these different previews of these horror movies that were coming out and i was like this is so cool you know and then here comes unlisted owner on and it was just it was such a surreal neat experience and my advice would be to any indie filmmaker out there you know if you want to try to get your film in a cinema or, you know, what or you need, you want police cars or ambulance or fire trucks, you know, before you spend the money to try to get, you know, your movie into X amount of theaters or before you, you know, pay, pay to get, you know, a, a fire truck rented or whatever, just ask and just see what happens. I mean, the worst thing they're going to tell you is, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, you, what have you lost? Nothing. Absolutely. I mean, if anything, these guys have heard of your movie now, so they may check it out when it comes out. It's so so like, true. oh, I missed out. It's, it's brilliant, isn't it? It's like advertising, free advertising, yeah. but could we borrow your fire station? Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. not, cool, we'll watch the film. It's coming out at some point, maybe. Yeah. In a yeah. Few sometimes, years. sometimes it just takes a donation, you know, just say, hey, I'll give a $50 donation to the fire department or, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, like the Showplace Cinema, you know, we'll split the ticket sales or whatever it is you know and they still get to make money off their popcorn and drinks and stuff so i mean it works out yeah it does especially if they're having a quiet day you choose a day which is you know quiet and a yeah. cinema that's you know not necessarily busy yeah it's it's totally yeah. it's very important as well and people sort of leave it up to the distributor sometimes yeah and it's like yeah, no the- actually you can put your own film on do it yourself yeah. go listen we're gonna have a screening and here's what we're gonna do you can yeah. do it can do it um, I'm pretty impressed with you. You've done so well here. What What's next for you then? What What's What are you going to do now? Well, I have, like I said, I have that meth house script, and I have several other scripts. But um, like I said, I just need to try to recoup some costs from unlisted owner first to be able to do the next project. I mean, I, I really want to make another movie. I really want to try my hand at a traditionally shot film, mm-hmm. and I I feel like I've learned so much in this process that last time the filming was the easy part and getting distribution deal was the hard part. And I think next time it'd be the complete opposite. So I'm really looking to challenge myself, but it probably, if I do something, I would say it would probably be next year before I could do it, especially with the the little one I got now. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to, trying to still figure out how to balance everything at this point in time. But yeah, I really want to make another film for sure. And like I said, if someone happens to see unlisted owners, like, Hey, I really like what this guy's done. Maybe, uh, you know, he has a script that we might be interested in. I mean, I'd be more than happy to, you know, sell a script or, you know, direct a project or anything like that. If someone wants me to try to do it on a low budget for him. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Why not? I think also one thing that I've sort of learned from doing this process as well is if you do have a script and you do have a, a track record like yourself, best or well, one of the ways to go about it is to go to a distribution first to go to them and say, listen, here's what I've got. 
Here's what I've done in the past. Here's who I'd like to be in it. And we're talk, not talking big names here. Are you interested? And if they say no, and these are decent casts that could make the money, then you know that this project might not be the right project for you to spend years making. Whereas right. if they say yes, and we're interested in distribution, suddenly you've, you've now got a distributor on board at this early stage, and they might even put some money in. So especially if, you know, you can go back to Summerhill Films and say that. Listen, I've got this project. Here's what I want in it. I want to cast properly. I want to shoot it properly. You know, like, like is in not found footage. Um, what's What do you think? And you go to other distributors as well. Um, and yeah. I, th- I think it's definitely a way forward for filmmakers who suddenly go, oh, that, the gap between the first and second film, when they're all waiting for it to come out and waiting for everyone to call, and that moment where you kind of go, oh, it came out, and what happens? Um, and it is, it's a tough place to be. So sometimes you've just got to be proactive and do it. Obviously you've got the baby at the moment, so it's very difficult for you to do that, but it's sometimes it's just an email. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, if it wasn't for technology, I don't know how well this movie would have (laughs) fared so far. You've totally proved that by what you did with your socials when you, you know, wanted to get it in the top of the charts and you did just that. It's an, it's it's a great journey and it's one that a lot of our listeners should be inspired by and said, do you know what? If Jed can do it, we can do it. Uh, why not? Right. Why not? Uh, well done, man. Uh, yeah, like I say, it's an inspiration for us and anyone else listening out there. So, Unlisted Owner, um, where can people find it now? Where can people watch it? Well, I'm pretty sure it's available on Prime in the UK as well as the US. Uh, you can get the DVD on Amazon. Uh, you can get the DVD through FYE, uh, Barnes & Noble, uh, and then uh, you can also watch it on Google Play Store, uh, YouTube Red, I think. I think it's YouTube Red. Uh, and then also uh, my favorite, uh, Microsoft Store, because I have an Xbox. So I thought it was pretty cool. I can go to the Xbox Marketplace and look up my movie. That's there cool. it is. That is cool. <laughs> I just love that. There it is. Every time you like click on that, I'll just yeah. give it another five stars. Why not? Why yeah. not? <laughs> <laughs> and listen, if anyone is listening, do go check it out on any of those platforms and do give it a rating. If you have not seen it, watch the trailer. Support, support, support. Give it a like. Even if you can't afford to buy it or don't want to buy it, that's what it's about. It's about supporting um, in any way you can. And obviously watch it and buy it if you can as well. Um, where, where can people follow you? Have you got a Twitter, social? You can follow the Unlisted Owner Twitter page, at Unlisted Owner. Mm-hmm. You can follow me on Instagram, at Mr. Jed underscore Brian. And uh, you can also like Unlisted Owner on Facebook at Unlisted Owner. There you go. Perfect. And rate us, rate us on IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes. We're on all those platforms. Fandango, we're on all those platforms. So be sure to rate us on all those ones. Super. Jed, thank you so much for your time. Hey, thank you. Pleasure. And remember, you can follow us at Filmmakers Pod. You can follow me at Giles Alderson. Being prepared is everything. You can make your indie film, as Jed has proved. Know who your audience is, get out there and do it. And remember, if you're lucky enough to do well and rise up, it's your duty to send the elevator back down. We're back with you next Tuesday. As always, head to Raindance, see the discount code that they've got for their brilliant new course this week and get on it. Why not? Your filmmakers get making films. And if nothing else, go out there and make your film. Hashtag make your film. It's 2018, people. We're halfway through the year. You should be going out there and making your film. Any last words, Jed? 
If you got a dream, go for it. Because it got to the point to where, you know, me and my friends were sitting around talking about making a movie and no one was doing it. And I was like, well, <laughs> I guess I better do something then. So and you'll, you'll surprise yourself. I mean, if you make something, you will surprise yourself on how far it goes. I mean, look at me. I mean, I live in the middle of nowhere in the Midwest of the United States. And I'm talking on a podcast out of the UK and I feel so blessed and grateful for it. And, it, you know, I wouldn't be here doing this if I hadn't have thought, hey, let's try to make this. What a lovely, lovely soundbite to go out on. Great stuff. All right, thanks, Ted. Yep, hey, have a good day. And take you, care. man, take care. Bye, bye, bye. There you have it. Go make your film. You've no excuses. So next Tuesday, as always, we will see you then. Take care and thank you for listening. Bye-bye. This was a podcast from the Podfix Network. Check out more shows like it at oddfixnetwork.com.